Hello, 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 folks. Welcome again to another edition here of the Mind of Magnus on 106.3 FM, WRFZ LP Rochester. Uh, to all those lovely folks that are joining me in their car, which I heard about last week, hello out there. Uh, to those listening in, the cool kids, as always, listening in online, uh, Rochester Free Radio. Uh, check us out there if you can listen to us. Hello, hello. But to the uber cool kids I love so much, to those listening to us in podcast form, hey there, folks. Uh, check it out, Mind of Magnus, uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, those folks who are making this station always good, uh, the underwriters and the Patreon supporters. So if you guys have a bit of cash this week coming up, uh, just go to rochefreeradio.com, click that big orange button, and uh, head over to Patreon. A couple of dollars a month is all we ask. Help get the lights on. Whatever you want to do. If not, share out that link and let others uh, share that link as well. So give us a little love. Let them know you like listening. Uh, but the guy I want to give a big thank you to, as always, the guy who keeps the uh, sound uh, sounding amazing, uh, the man in the glass box, Mr. Matt Obscure. Hey, Matt, how you doing in there? Hey, how's it going, Magnus? Oh, doing pretty good. So how was your uh, Cyber Monday? Did you uh, Cyber Monday any good deals? Did it's you- fantastic. I wanted to say Cyber Monday. There's a big deal on Patreon for your Rochester Free Radio. Uh, It's a 0% discount. Every dollar you put into Patreon, we get a dollar of it. So please, Patreon. Heck yeah. That's perfect to know. Perfect to know. Um, So uh, a side note, uh, how was your uh, weekend? You had some, there was some turkey days, festivities happened. You have a... Yeah, we... we did some, you know, family time, and then Friday night we saw you for the the big yeah. post Thanksgiving Wolf Newt party. Wolf Newt party. Now, uh, if people do not know, can you describe Wolf Newt for folks? So it's a holiday devised by a seven year old that was su- celebrating dogs and people who like dogs, mm-hmm. and, and the idea was to eat meats and cake and, and celebrate those folks. I, I, It sounded perfect to me. The moment I saw it, I actually saw the news uh, about it the exact same time I saw the party invite for it. Like, this is happening. And all, of course, our friends leaped right in and had a great time doing it. Um, so, uh, it, it great. We had a lot of good foods, a lot of fun times. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, those who wrote in. Apparently, we had a lot of folks listening in last week in their car because uh, last week we didn't do a live show. We actually had the wonderful... Uh, uh, recording that we had done while oh, at cool. the Maker Fair. So that's right. Uh, so we actually weren't in live in studio, but we I got a message that some friends were driving along and happened to spin through the uh, dial, and sure enough, we heard the uh, us roaming the the streets and and, and roads of uh, the Maker Fair. So that's awesome. Yeah, great time, great and, time. And speaking of Maker Fair, mm-hmm. speaking of Maker Fair, we actually have one of the, now. The guy tonight, I am excited about. Uh, I'm going to say a lot of give him a hand jokes. I should say right off the bat here for this one. Um, but uh, our guest tonight, uh, John Schull, he is a remarkable man. He actually, I met him. Uh, his reputation preceded him, but I actually met him at a TED Talk here in Rochester. TEDx Rochester. He had given a, a talk, and I was fortunate enough to be on the team and heard this whole process coming together. And I am super excited to bring him on, uh, a man who's using technology, networking, 3D printers to literally make life better for everyone involved. Uh, uh, John, uh, thank you for being on this show. I hope you're, uh, hope you have a great time being on here. Uh, um, we are running around as always is crazy. That's how technology works around here. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're going to be talking all about uh, 3D printing. 
the 3D, uh, the technology you use to bring apart, bring up, uh, enable, is that how it's called that way? So, without much further ado, I've already gave him plenty of ado. How about more ado for you, excuse me? Uh, John Scholl, how you doing, man? Very well, thank you. Nice to be here. Oh, you have the mo- you have the best like uh, posture I've ever seen for like as you should be with radio, relaxing. You are like if you guys wish, I'll take a picture of this at one point here. Uh, this is a man who is is confident and loves what he's going to talk about. I get a vibe, right? Well, true enough. Also, my own. Office chairs typically are broken so that they are practically recliners, which is my natural posture and my Your natural state? habitat. Yeah. Nice. You're more comfortable in this this sort of stance. This is I perfect. am. I usually it's a laptop here, <laughs> and it's just I I think with my fingers while mm-hmm. I'm on the on the laptop. Well, you're definitely I you're, I may take that uh, the posture in uh, from here on out. I'm kind of very envious. You look very comfy. Uh, you're the, the most comfortable person I've ever seen in my studio here. Well, there, there's <laughs> a distinction. I think I should quit now. Oh no. You leave on a good note. No, no, no. Um so I would love to uh we just start off just talking about um, how I met. I, I encountered you at TEDx Rochester. You had we we're giving a discussion on the use of networks, 3D printers to make life better for for all those around. Um, now this was uh, what? How many years ago was it? Four years? Five? Maybe three or four three years. Four years ago. That's right. Um, and it's it was one of those talks that, as you're describing it, I thought we are in the future. You are, this is a man who's using technology for how I thought the future is supposed to be, and you're doing it. So if you want, just, I would love to hear your take, uh, like how this all came to fruition, whatever you want to do, and we're going to probably pick your brain a little bit about the man behind the this amazing past, you know, the sure. uh, together. But, um, so we have 3D printed hands for children. Is it this, this is? Typically for children. Okay. That's right. Nice. Um, now uh, hit the ground running. This, wh- like, where did this start from? Where's the, where, where's the, the moment that this kind of came to came together? Well, so the creation myth, uh, mm-hmm. which is a good story and has the virtue of being true, um, <laughs> is that about two years before that TEDx talk, mm-hmm. uh, instead of preparing to teach a class at RIT on innovation and invention, which was my day job, I was procrastinating and uh, looking at YouTube videos. And I saw one about a South African carpenter mm-hmm. who had lost fingers on one hand in a shop accident. And he went searching on the internet and he found a YouTube video made by a prop maker in Washington State named Ivan Owen mm-hmm. who had made this great big mechanical hand that was controlled by cables. Uh, and so the hand would open and close. Mm-hmm. And the carpenter said... I lost my fingers. I need a mechanical hand. Prosthetics are ridiculously expensive. Uh, Would you help me? And Ivan says, I turned to my wife and I said, you know, there's someone here who I'm going to be working with. (laughs) And they collaborated, one in Washington State, one in uh, South Africa. And they adapted that original mechanism, which it turns out was itself derived from some other mechanisms, including a... A uh, prosthetic hand made for a whaling captain out of ivory and metal. Oh my gosh! A whaling captain. Oh. They lose fingers in, yeah, that, yeah, in yeah. that business. I imagine so. <laughs> and uh, the video explained that they had eventually each gotten a 3D printer, which was then really new. This would have mm-hmm. been around 2012, I suppose. Mm-hmm. A consumer grade 3D printer. And working across the planet, 
they gradually worked out a crude mechanical 3D printable hand where if you bend the wrist some strings tighten and the strings pull the fingers and the fingers close and if you bend your wrist it makes a fist and they mentioned in this video mm -hmm. that these guys had come to realize that there were lots of children born missing fingers or hands mm -hmm. and that this device could be useful for them and it mentioned in the video that they were putting the design online mm -hmm. so that other people could tinker with it and I saw an opportunity I was you know at that point teaching innovation and invention at RIT and I'd had an idea a couple of years earlier which went nowhere uh, after I'd been to a conference on innovation in Washington DC uh, academic conference and I heard two talks in succession about engineering professors mm -hmm. who had this brilliant idea for their seniors which is to say, look, instead of having them just make some mechanical widget just because it, they can do it, why don't we pair them up with someone who needs some kind of an assistive technology, an adaptation for their wheelchair or something that will um, help uh, someone who's crippled get in and out of the swimming pool. A true benefit to like, That's right. use your, your ideas and skill set for something, not That's something right. cool. That's gotcha. right. And they do. They said, and it's a great program. It's inspirational <laughs> to the kids. The... Uh, client if you will gets a unique device yeah. uh, I get tenure <laughs> the professor everyone's happy and at the second presentation these were two people who both had come up with the same wonderful scheme I said but yeah. you know if you've got someone who needs this special design X widget mm -hmm. there are probably another five ten thousand people around the world who would really benefit from the same X widget uh, what happens to their projects? What happens to the designs? And they paused and they said, well, that's true. What happened to the design? Well, it's in my filing cabinet. And so I immediately that day, I just sort of, it seemed obvious to me that there should be some sort of repository in the sky, <laughs> which would contain all of these special inventions done by students and by tinkerers for free mm -hmm. uh, available for people to build on and I had this grandiose idea that every university could use this program and there could be a single repository and they could all collaborate and for that matter maybe one out of a hundred of these designs would become a commercial product and that would support the whole venture wow this is this, coming together pretty well in the, uh, this, this idea in your head never happened oh, never no. happened you know I like to say if, if you've had any experience in academia you know that getting people at a university to agree with each other <laughs> let alone with other universities just doesn't happen that, it didn't go magic, anywhere uh, oh my gosh so I saw that video that morning mm -hmm. and the frustrated and prepared mind uh, did the following uh -huh. I said you know I could take a Google map and I could tinker with it I did this once before mm. um, in such a way that people could put their own pins on the map and I did nice and I needed a heading for the map and I called it e hyphen navel and I put a subtitle there that said something like um, Enable is a global assistive technology network built on an infrastructure of 3D printing, mm -hmm. internet communications, and free will. 
<laughs> wow, you're good. Pretty good? Yeah, this is really um, great. It, you know, it's actually, it's a lot easier to do this when you think it's just a lark. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I did. But once I did that, <laughs> mm-hmm. I took about an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back to the YouTube video, which had begun collecting positive comments. Yeah, that's a that's a good story. I mean, that, that cuts around. That's, that's right. One of those things. And I put my own comment down, and it said... Something like, okay, Maker Butters, if you have a printer and you want to help, put a pin on the map. And if you know someone who needs a hand, put a pin on the map. <laughs> you know, in in the world of innovation and entrepreneurship, there's the concept of a minimal viable product. Right? What is the simplest little thing you can possibly do mm-hmm. to get an idea out in the world and to see if it has any legs? Yeah. I really didn't expect it to be the case, but that comment, connecting to the map, is the best minimal viable product <laughs> I ever came up with. And uh, I went off to teach my class. When I got home that night, there were seven pins on the map. Not bad. And uh, every day, a few more pins would accumulate. Six weeks later, there were 70 pins on the map, <laughs> 70. And I started to get phone calls. From people saying, okay, so now what do we do? <laughs> and of course, I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, I got to do that stuff. Yeah, I was going to follow So up. I created a Google Plus community. Google Plus was then the new social network, and yeah, it was yeah. a little less frivolous than Facebook mm-hmm. and substantially less uh, commercial and advertisement written. So I said, well, I'll make a Facebook community called E Nable, uh, and we'll figure it out together. Mm hmm. And we did. There are now 10,700 registrations on that Google Plus community. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, There are some thousands of active volunteers. Mm -hmm. There are chapters in about 100 places around the world. Global. I mean, this is all over the place. All over the world. And it just keeps on growing and spreading. That is, oh my gosh! I'll give you a hand. That's right. All right, there, there you go. I got one of the jokes out of the way right That's now. Right. Oh my god! This is now. Uh, how long has this been coming? Like so been, this is now about year five to six at this point. Oh my gosh! Uh, and uh, you. So this happens. You have these pins popping up. Uh, at what point did your first like pin to hand? connection where you knew it wasn't just like oh maybe something happened but you saw a video saw a picture well it happened pretty quickly the 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 truth is the first people to join the community were people who had already begun playing around with this Mm -hmm. um there was one guy in new england whose son must have been about four years old at the time was born without fingers Mm -hmm. and he was a uh, uh a middle school teacher and he engaged with his class and he made a hand for his son there's another guy who was at the time a um, high school French teacher at a charter school whose uh, 15 year old son he learned how to do 3d printing and made a hand for Uh, Ivan Owen the original puppet maker from Washington State um, joined the community and so those people had all done a few of these devices but I'll tell you it was within a few months that we had an experience where we started to get some news coverage. Mm-hmm. You know, we have spent approximately zero dollars on publicity, but there have been, at this point, thousands of articles about Enable. And every time one of these articles shows up, somebody reads it, 
or watches it on the web. Spreads a little bit further on, right? Spreads further or says, I know someone who needs a hand and gets them in in touch. In this case, I remember an an early sort of revelation was that there was a Chinese woman somewhere in the United States who knew that her sister had a child somewhere in China Mm -hmm. and the American sent a link to the Chinese woman. The Chinese woman said, okay, I would like this. They used the map. They found someone who said, oh, sure, I'd love to make this for you. And they did. And and frankly, it doesn't happen this quickly. But within 10 days, a kid in China had a 3D printed hand <laughs> oh made God. by someone in the United States. Wow. Through this, you know, person-to-person network enabled by 3D printing, internet communications, and a lot of goodwill. And of course, when that story gets told, Mm -hmm. someone else hears about it, and that's how it's spread. That is feel good and just amazing. Like ten days, that's that's right. That's a fast turnaround. I would I would guess that more typically it's three to six months. Yeah, actually, Um, uh, uh, John just wrote in another John tonight. Um, uh, He actually, how long does it typically take? Have you have you noticed? I mean, on average, how does it take? He asks. You know, the fabrication of the device itself. It goes like this, right? So you become aware of someone who needs needs a device. Mm-hmm. This is in, in a common scenario, not the only scenario. Um, so you get the measurements somehow, either from a scan or from a plaster cast or by asking for some key measurements. Mm-hmm. Then you have to scale the device. Gotcha. It, to make it roughly fit. Um, in some cases, you have to customize the device. But scaling, typically you'll adjust the length and the width and the height and you'll say, okay, how's that? It's not unlike shoes, as a matter of fact, right? <laughs> a bunch of lengths, a I bunch of you. widths. Exactly it, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that can take anywhere from five minutes to five days or five weeks, depending on if it's a complicated case. Mm-hmm. But, you know, more often it's it's on the order of uh, an hour to make those adjustments, mm-hmm. to be confident that they're right. Then you print them. Now, a 3D printed hand will print about... 14 hours on a consumer-grade 3D printer, if it prints at all. <laughs> Correctly, Consumer-grade yeah. 3D printers yeah, are yeah, like, yeah. you know, the Fliberty gibbets at of old. So that's 14 hours. Then it'll take three or four hours to assemble it. Mm-hmm. And then it'll take a day or two to get it to your destination, or a week or two if, if it's going around the world overland. So that's sort of the, the happy best case. Nice, that's impressive. There are lots of not as prompt cases, Mm -hmm. because as you can imagine, any step of this way, especially when it's all being done by volunteers Mm -hmm. and, for example, busy moms with with kids in school, the whole process can just wait a week or a weekend or a month until someone gets time to... To push it along. Yeah, yeah, get the print down. Yeah, you know, I gotcha. Actually, uh, that was actually another question. We had a guy, Zach, wrote in. He's like, you mentioned the first, I had wrote down here actually, uh, he had met the, mentioned the first one was uh, fingertips and you're mentioning hands. Uh, he has seen uh, full, like arms up to elbows and beyond. What's the level? What do you guys work at? Well, so we started with wrist operated hands. Mm-hmm. Which is which was the original design, and by the way, those designs, the evolution and development of those designs, is a whole other saga that's happened in the last five years. Um, but in the last few years, well, 
within a year of me getting involved, I tricked myself into developing an elbow activated device, <laughs> uh, which is to say, I said, hey, free upper limb prosthetics, and we've got them right here, and a kid came along, and that kid didn't have a wrist. Mm. And we had wrist-activated devices, so mm. we had to adapt the logic of the wrist-activated device to make an elbow-activated device. It's the same sort of thing? The hinge uh, That's operates? Right. When you the... bend the elbow, it makes a fist. It doesn't rhyme, but it does <laughs> it sort does of work. work. <laughs> and by the way, it only sort of works. If you think about it, the way we did it, when you bend, uh, when you flex your arm, mm -hmm. the hand closes, and the because the strings are now taut. But with an elbow, it's a little hard because of physics. You have to be way, like way out versus in. The That's hinge. right. That's hey, right. Gotcha. In fact, one of the ironies of the elbow-activated arm is that if you don't do it just right, you'll be able to pick up a glass or a soda can or a can of beer mm -hmm. and bring it almost to your mouth. <laughs> and then what? Right? <laughs> yeah. So there's still plenty of room for improvement. And yeah, yeah. since I'm on this uh, trajectory, I'll point out that uh, my lab, originally at RIT, now at Virtus High School on Humboldt Street. Nice. Another story we could tell. Oh, gladly. Where we're working with um, high school kids and actually training them and paying them to become 3D printed prosthetic uh, fabricators. That's amazing. I, I, the word paying was tossed in there, too. That's, that's right. That's a great thing to hear. It, for it turns out we've got like a quadruple bottom line thing going on here. <laughs> um, but we now have a hand where instead of the hand gripping when you activate it, it's spring-loaded and it will hold on to whatever you put in it. Really? So that, for example, if you have one good hand and you've got a uh, an enabled gripper hand, for example, you can use your good hand to put the beer can in the gripper hand. The gripper hand will hold on to it and now your elbow is free to do whatever it wants with that beer can. That's good. So it's it's more just it's a good tool to have, usable tool, not necessarily That's manipulating, right. but That's it's right. good to... That's right. Clever, clever. It's, so there's, it turns out, in some ways, the field is wide open. You know, the world... We, we've had prosthetics since the American Civil War. That's mm -hmm. really where the technology was... Um, first became common. Mm-hmm. And I should add that what prosthetists do and what prosthetics makers do is considerably more sophisticated and more robust and usually more mechanically functional than our lightweight, simple, cheap, plastic, breakable yeah, devices. True, true. However, mm -hmm. because we have naive volunteers of all <laughs> ages using consumer-grade printers... Mm -hmm basically making it up together as we go along we've really come up with a number of novel approaches oh i can see including a pr novel approaches to thinking about the problem which i think are are really an important complement to what the medical industrial norm has been hmm. uh you know the prosthetists have long recognized for example that prosthetics are as important psychologically as they are and emotionally as they are mechanically hmm. makes sense but most of the standards and most of the uh, design energy by the mechanical engineers who are brought into this business in order to make these devices hmm. is focused on the mechanical utility hmm. it eventually becomes clear that 
for the kids we serve in the West and for adults in conservative cultures that the social psychological functions of these are more important than hmm. how much work you can do with them. In Haiti, for example, where if you're missing a limb, you're cursed. And if you're cursed, you risk ostracism from your home and your church yeah. and therefore real social isolation. Yeah, wow. I had um, no idea. That's yeah, no, it, 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 something similar happens in parts of Africa. Something similar happens in parts of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, as you know, people who are what we sometimes call disabled are also considered somewhat alien. They're unfamiliar. They're different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's and, a quick way for people to put a, like, put a line in the sand. Like, they're, that's a, something's different with them. Well, that's, that's right. That's how it works. That's right. So. Um, and in some cultures that is mostly a real problem. Hmm. It means that you are typecast as a street beggar, which means that's the career that's available to you. Mm -hmm. Um, It means that you may be considered unclean or somewhat different. So one of the interesting things that happened with Enable is that very early on, we realized that these mechanical, plastic, brightly colored, 3D printed hands that we were making for children were being called superhero hands because they looked like Iron Man hands. <laughs> they do. They very much do. Wow. And so now we have Wolverine hands, and there's a whole superhero motif. But, you know, for a four-year-old kid or a six-year-old kid born missing fingers or a hand, mm-hmm. this kid doesn't really have any functional problems. You can do a lot. I mean, you've seen pictures and videos of kids missing one arm or two, two arms, arms yeah. or four limbs and oh, yeah. they're all over the place they've mm-hmm. learned since they were toddlers how to toddle without limbs mm-hmm. they're, they're they're really they can be remarkably functional mm-hmm. but at the ages four to six or so other kids start becoming sophisticated enough to really say what's so weird about this guy and it can become very hard for kids mm-hmm. if if a kid born missing a hand has a superhero hand i swear to god the other kids say that's so cool you are so lucky it just changes the, the game the whole thing a, you're down here now you're even better that's, that's right that's right that's amazing to see i can see it because i've watched uh i mean i've seen a lot of these videos uh, especially after watching your ted ted talk i kind of everyone's all deep down i kind of dive into those like, yeah. what's happening like kind of updates and stuff and i've seen a lot of smiling kids with these bright red arms something else and I mean, and I've seen, um, I saw that uh, Iron Man himself was actually giving out, like, That's right. print, so, some arms as well at some point, too. So yeah. I guess that, that that idea of being a superhero arm definitely appeals and kind of connects with a lot of folks that way. So. It does. It does. And, you know, I was in Honduras this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave some talks, and I visited some people, and I met some of the uh, recipients of the full above-elbow, um, elbow-actuated arm. Yeah. And two of them, actually. Both of them lost both arms in electrical accidents. It turns out in some countries there's a fair amount of electric power piracy. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, things can go awry. And so here were two um, 20-somethings who had lost both limbs. Both of them were instantly unemployable, Mm -hmm. as well as somewhat social isolated. But... uh, my partner here in Rochester is a young man named uh, Melvin Cruz. He started Enable Honduras, 
one of our chapters. Wow. He's now getting a uh, mechanical engineering degree at RIT. Nice. And he's the mentor for the kids at the, at the high school. Mm-hmm. So he had, before he came up here to work with us, um, started this chapter in Honduras and had begun providing devices to people in Honduras. Now, in fact, the people I visited were people who had gotten arms made by the high school students here in Rochester. And I met Jose, and he was there. He and Christian both had, because they were unemployable, started their own businesses. Um, One of them has a little shoe and sandal store, Mm -hmm. and when I visited, he showed that he can use his arm to take things off the rack and to help Mm -hmm. people try on the shoes and so on. That's his own business. And Jose has got his own um, houseplant business running in a house, not the house he lives in, but he he and his wife now have a a business of their own. Wow. Self-employed. And he's using the, the the hand for that purpose also. However, when we visited, he was there with his whole family, mm-hmm. with his little girl next to him. He was holding her hand. She was holding his 3D printed arm. <laughs> oh my gosh! And in the course of this conversation, I say, "So, how often do you wear this device?" Because the truth is, since you can do a lot without an arm, mm-hmm. it's optional how often you wear it. Yeah, exactly. He's he's. He was a very heartwarming story for me. He said, oh, well, I wear it every day. Nice. I said, really, every day? And and what, what's the most important thing you do with your arm? He said, well, this is. Oh, my and God. he pointed his little girl. Heart melting Absolutely, right now. absolutely. Oh, okay. That's the sweetest thing. When Holy I cow. asked the same question, question of Christian, he said, well, it's, it's very helpful, but it's also really good for my self-confidence. I said, how so? He said, well, you know. I can now do a f- fist bump with my buddies. <laughs> so the social, not just for little that's, kids, yeah, right? No, that's, that's this amazing. social psychological function mm-hmm. has little to do with how many pounds this thing can lift, right? He's not using, neither of these guys are lifting great weights. No, no, no. Um, they're not playing the piano. Mm-hmm. But they are now they have two hands. re-enabled um, participants in their social milieu. Wow, that's amazing how that, that you know, just having the structure there. And uh, now out of curiosity, what was these, what were the color, like were these brightly colored, these like, hands they had? Well, so these two adults both had uh, black okay. plastic arms. Makes sense, that's out of curiosity. It seems like, I mean, kids bright colors, but I think with that's adults exactly you need to have right. it, you don't want to draw too much attention, but you need to have that symmetry, the, the the balance that people look for. If you're missing something, it stands out. You know, so well, that's wow. right. So one of the things. So for example, we went to Haiti about three years ago. Mm-hmm. We went. I didn't go, but we started a program in Haiti, uh, and we came down there all excited because we had these cool hands. The Haitians took one look at these brightly colored, strange robot hands, and they sort of stepped away from them. Mm. Uh, it has taken several years to develop more natural-looking yeah. devices and to find more natural-looking plastics in order to have the effect that they want. And it must be coming along. The technology with 3D printing seems to be jumping leaps and bounds. It seems like every year seems new stuff coming in. It certainly is. But interestingly, the tools of our trade are not changing that much. The mm. The evolution of the machines 
means that they're getting cheaper and cheaper. Well, you can now make a perfectly good enable hand using a $300 printer instead of a $2,000 printer. Mm -hmm. And most of our volunteers are working with consumer-grade printers, so just it becomes easier and easier for more and more people to get involved. Mm -hmm. There are some new materials becoming available, more flexible materials, more heat-resistant materials. Yeah. But, you know, Enable is, is, is curious. Our sweet spot, in my opinion, and my opinion is just one of thousands about Enable, uh, the sweet spot, in my opinion, is sort of the least common denominator for a global network of volunteers, some of whom may be in their teens, mm -hmm. some of whom may be in their, you know, 60s or 70s, but not hyper-sophisticated. In fact, the most sophisticated work that we do, I think, and the most important work that I, we do, I think, is coming up with simpler and simpler techniques mm -hmm. so that more and more people can do it. And there's some saying that goes something like, you know, uh, sophisticated is easy. Easy is hard. Right? <laughs> and so we work on trying to make it, make it easy, make it simple. That's amazing. I, now, it's it's amazing to see what has come together in only, I mean, less than less half a decade, right? That's right. Take. That's right. Uh, from you sitting there trying to avoid work and watching a YouTube show or YouTube, whatever the thing was. Well, I'm still trying to avoid work. <laughs> uh, to this. Now, I mean, so we have five years of this happening. I mean, you work with RT and stuff. Where do you see five years from now? I mean, what what's the, do you have a hope? Do you have an idea? Do you have sure. a... I mean, you must have kind of an idea of what you probably will happen and what you hope will happen, right? In right. Scenario. Right. Well, so in my own case, for example, I went from a university environment mm -hmm. to a high school where I am in this interesting symbiotic relationship with the Virtus Charter School, which uh, does education for young men typically of color from mm -hmm. the inner city. And some of them learn how to do the 3D printing, and then they get these jobs. And That's an amazing skill to have, yeah. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And, of course, you know, these are kids often from a school system and a culture in which uh, being at the cutting edge, mm -hmm. and for that matter, making good money, rarely happens. Mm -hmm. So it's well, just sort of another really wonderful aspect of yeah. what we do. Um, my migration from a university environment. To That's what, this, my, my, my question. I, I'm curious on this. You like the, this migration over to the high school that sort of thing. Continue on. I, I'm saying that you're actually reading my mind. All these questions well, there keep you popping go. up. So um, is in some ways typical of what's happening with Enable, mm -hmm. right? So I think we are increasingly going from being a small group of uh, relatively cutting edge volunteers. Mm -hmm to a large group of chapters in very diverse environments, more and more of them at universities, but even more and more of them in places like Thailand or Egypt or uh, Honduras, who are developing their own locally appropriate ways of trying to address the almost universal inadequacy of delivery of these devices to these people. Mm. So when you say, where do I think it's going to go? Mm -hmm. I think it's going to follow several 
trajectories that you can already see in the in the five years we've been here. Mm-hmm. There's going to be more and more chapters and groups distributed around the world. Each of them are going to be developing their own particular, call them business models, but but for the most part they're not businesses. Yeah, so that's they're, they're that's processes. that's uh, that's trajectory number two. Mm-hmm. I think that. The way we do this, not by developing products and selling them, but by harnessing the goodwill of uh, volunteers and the abundance of cheap technologies for innovation and collaboration, Mm -hmm. we're developing a non-business model for non-organizations like Enable that can do things and go places that traditional businesses and organizations have failed to go. Mm-hmm. Figuring out how the hell that actually works is a really interesting sort of sociological and social innovation problem. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be a single answer, but I think in some ways that is the deeper, larger question Enable poses. Hmm. How the heck can this, does this work, yeah. and how far can it go? I like to think, and you know, my own fascination is that we have started something which is a prototype of a pattern of organization that is really an alternative to a traditional business or a traditional non-governmental organization or a traditional governmental service. I call this a no-no, a non-organization of non-organizations. <laughs> Whose business model is not business, mm-hmm. but something about caring and collaboration. Yeah. And so I'm sort of trying to figure that out. And I think there's going to be more and more understanding and more and more variations on this theme because, third trend, mm-hmm. there's nothing we're doing that could only be done for prosthetics and 3D printers. Uh, you know... People missing fingers and hands are just one example of a relatively small but ubiquitous group of people Mm -hmm. whose smallness in numbers and whose underdeveloped position in society has caused them to be underserved and neglected. If you think about it, the majority of the world belongs to some kind of a minority group. True, very true, yeah, yeah. And... Markets are not so good at dealing with low-frequency, low-income mm-hmm. populations. But a global network of volunteers who want to do something cool and useful with the technologies that miraculously have become available to them, they don't have that problem. They say, ooh, here's a group I can develop a real solution for. I can invent something. I can develop something. I can as I like to say, I can make a child smile, I can make a parent weep, and I can make or be a rejoicing nerd, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so that's, that's the other trend, is to generalize this model for other cases of underserved populations who can be helped yeah. by a global network of humanitarian makers. And then I'd say the other trend, therefore, is developing more and better solutions of this sort. The mm-hmm. hands are still evolving. We're now going from wrists to elbows to shoulders. Wow, moving to the shoulders. In Latin America, there are groups beginning to do legs. 
Nice. There are other groups developing in parallel that are doing, you know, insulin injection machines, open oh, wow. source, self-made, potentially fatal, but also life-saving <laughs> devices of this sort. Yeah, yeah. That's, so that's figuring Thanks. out how this whole package goes together mm-hmm. and helping it develop is sort of my vision for what happens in the next five years. There's no name for this movement right now. No. Enable is is now well known as 3D printed prosthetics, uh, but I think it stands for something much broader. Very and much. that much broader something doesn't really have a name. But this year, this week, I'm using the phrase humanitarian maker for it. <laughs> humanitarian maker, I like it. That's a great title. Um, so if you guys are tuning in right now, uh, we're talking uh, 3D printed uh, uh, prosthetics. We're talking with uh, the one and only John Schull. He <laughs> is uh, one-time teacher at RIT, now working uh, teaching with the. Are you still teaching with RIT now? You're, nope. you're only with. I'm no the, longer at RIT. The, with the uh, the high school. The high school's name again is Virtus High School. Virtus High School. It's on Humboldt Street. Nice, nice. Uh, it's a good school and a real alternative for kids who for whom the Rochester City School District is just not cutting it, mm. which, I'm sorry to say, is not an infrequent case. Seems um, some people may not realize that charter schools are available just as freely as public schools are available. Hmm. They're funded by the same governmental monies that fund the public schools, mm-hmm. but they can provide alternative forms of education. So Virtus has turned out to be a really good solution for um for a number of young men, and it's definitely seeing. I mean, it's. I mean, these kids are. I say kids, but they're. These teens are working uh, uh, t- towards this. It seems like they have opportunities. That's they're responding well. I mean, they're they're better off for being in these schools. I actually part of me wants to talk a little about that too because I'm a huge aspect. I love Rochester and I love the the component of of the community. Um, it's why I volunteer as much as I can with various projects. But one of the things that always kind of hurt me is to watch these you know excited young teens end up in some of these schools and then that spark just kind of blown out of them i guess something else and it's just it's tough i used to live up towards the city here on the uh on kind of a that's the best part of town and i would always hang out with the neighbors and the kids and stuff and i would see kind of kids who were excited about school learning and they they had potential there and unfortunately a lot of the city schools just didn't quite they didn't nurture that it didn't help it along and i would just watch them kind of either fade out and it takes a special special type of person and that's the type of kid too, actually, to to keep keep it up and keep going through that sort of. It's know, true, things. but you know, as you point out, I think most people are born a special kind of kid, mm-hmm. and the result of a school system which is about teaching you stuff is that you get good at learning what you're taught, and you don't get learn you don't get good at learning how to do things that no one knows how to do, mm-hmm. and yet. As demonstrated by Enable and as demonstrated by the fact that the jobs of today are not the jobs of tomorrow, mm-hmm. the really important school skill is going to be learning how to do things no one can teach you how to do. And that's, it's an interesting question, how or if you can even teach that. Yeah, yeah. You have that's to te- what teach I used to work skill, on. Right, I guess how to do it is you have to teach the sort of, the, the, the methodology for questioning and thinking with an open end to it? Yeah, continue. How do you... Yeah, or, or you give up on the idea of teaching it. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the you try to create a con- circumstance uh-huh. in which the kids will learn how to do it. So when I was at RIT, I taught a course called Innovation and Invention. Mm-hmm. And while I 
in order to teach that course, I had to have my curriculum approved. That took two years. The curriculum went <laughs> right out the window in my first week in class. Because a small part of the class was, let's try to come up with something, fellow students, mm -hmm. said the professor, um, that none of us, including me, knows how to do. Given the diverse skills of the people in this class this semester. Oh, wow. And let's spend the semester doing it. <laughs> now, that is a really good recipe. That's a great one, yeah. Since I didn't know how to do it, yeah. I couldn't be the sage on the stage. <laughs> I could only be the guide on the side. And, of your course... Your rhyming game is, is top-notch. But don't tell you this right now. Your, your rhyming game. <laughs> I didn't make, a, that, make oh. that one up. But it's, it's... You know, like a lot of things, that is a cliche in the enlightened education movement. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of cliches... It rhymes. It's good advice. It's rarely observed. <laughs> and uh, and you notice that's sort of what Enable does, right? Mm -hmm. We don't claim to know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We don't claim that our solutions are great, professional-grade solutions. Yeah, it's not the end-all. Kind of we do claim that they are substantially better than nothing. And in the area of humanitarian solutions for underserved populations, mm -hmm. I like to remind my engineering and medical friends that it's immoral not to put out your work mm -hmm. the moment it becomes substantially better than nothing. And that's not what they teach engineers, and no. it's not what they teach medical people. No, no, no. Got to hold on to it for... for and so that's one of the ways we can make a contribution, that the professionals are almost literally trained not to do. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually had a guy wrote in, uh, John wrote in back in again. Uh, he was saying about, um, it sounds like you're actually, you're looking forward, you look forward to the innovation in your own group. Like that you want to have a, like if, if somehow you figure out how to make it better, let you guys know. Somehow, whatever it can do. Oh, totally. It, yeah, it, it strikes you as like, you want the better uh, anyone. So if, if one person gets better, you all get better. The idea, whatever. Well, that's right. That's right. And you know, an important part of this, an important part of the whole pattern is the open source movement. Mm -hmm. um, the original hand was put online for free so that people would tinker with it. Mm -hmm. Turns out Ivan Owen, the, uh, that guy, knew what he was doing. He, he didn't think he was the guy to create a movement. But he did think that if he put it out there, maybe someone would. And I, I, I and a few other people took the bait. Mm -hmm. um, open source, this notion that you put it out there, you encourage people to copy it, to improve it, and to share their improvements back mm -hmm. is a really important part of what makes what we do possible and makes, I think, a lot of things possible. Yeah. I actually, that's what I hope, I, uh, you know, that the concept of rising tide kind of rises all boats idea. Like, if you put it out there, everyone, it takes the, you know, the collective intelligence of everyone means that we have a lot of ideas and not a lot of back and forth. Yeah. So, um, now, actually, I, I want to leave some time for the, the coming up at the end of the show. It's already coming up almost a little bit left, about 10, 15 minutes left here in the show. Uh, but, um, so, when you are looking for uh, uh, how, how can those who either don't have a printer uh, or don't have, I mean, a, a friend missing a limb or something else, what can they do to help get involved in this process? What can they do to, you know, just share ideas, share links out? Well, sure. So, first of all, there are, we are almost exclusively a community of volunteers. Mm -hmm. And right now we're mostly 3D printing geeks or uh, community service 
geeks. Um, there is plenty of opportunity for people with all sorts of skills to contribute. To find out more about this, certainly go to e-enable.org mm-hmm. or enablingthefuture.org, two popular websites. Uh, enable.org is the one I've organized. And it includes a new atlas, which I created just in the last six months, that's got about half a dozen maps showing different aspects of Enable all over the world. Mm. Uh, here in Rochester, you should also go to re Enable Rochester Enable, <laughs> which is our chapter, mm-hmm. uh, which features our work at the Virtus School and also features the the stuff that we do. And you can find out more. And if people would like to get involved here in Rochester, they should certainly get in touch with me. But if I may be so bold, tomorrow is what we call Giving Tuesday. I like this. Right. Um, this is a tradition for nonprofits that started up only about five years ago, but here's the important bottom line. Um, if you go to Facebook and you search the phrase Rochester Enable, mm-hmm. or Virtus, or even my name, John Schull, S-C-H-U-L-L, no H in, the, in John, mm-hmm. you will find that tomorrow any donations to uh, our fundraiser will be matched dollar for dollar by Facebook and PayPal. Wow. And while we are a community of volunteers, plastic costs. Um, I do quite a bit of travel and evangelism when people are able to pay my way. Mm-hmm. And when they're not, I either, Rochester being able, either goes into debt for me or I go into debt or I don't go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there are activities like the Maker Fair and our work uh, helping a really thriving group in western New York and Buffalo Mm -hmm. um, get going. For all of these reasons and others, I will be happy to enumerate um, donations tomorrow Mm -hmm. are a really good idea. By the way, after tomorrow, donations are still a really good idea. They just won't be matched dollar for dollar, probably. there are opportunities for people who are good in web development. There are opportunities for people who are programmers. There are opportunities for people who are sociologically oriented because, for example, one of the things we have not done is systematically reached out to uh, orphanages mm-hmm. and to hospitals and to other places where you might find children who are missing fingers and hands. Yeah. Uh, we have more suppliers now than we have people demanding asking for hands Um, and that's partly because uh, you don't want it to go the other way you don't want to raise expectations not be able to meet them Mm -hmm. but there are plenty of opportunities for people to get involved and certainly if you have some and most of us do have some kind of a superpower you're a good programmer or you're a good organizer or you're a really responsible obsessive compulsive person who's really good at doing um uh, spreadsheets or a good fundraiser, mm-hmm. I would be really happy to have coffee with you here in <laughs> Rochester, New York. We well, heard it here, folks. Make this guy happy. Come on, hang out. Whatever your skill set, whatever your superpower, he says, uh, make this happen in here. Uh, so, how are you doing there? So, I'm actually messes. Is Matt still doing okay in the little glass box? I'm doing all. I've been wrapped this entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I let, let people know uh, that, yeah, he's sitting there. He's actually listening away, nodding and smiling in there. So, 
John has a bunch of superpowers, one of which is he's an amazing storyteller, on top of everything else. Mm -hmm. So I've just been endlessly entertained. This is the the best hour of radio that that I could be in person for, I guess. Well, isn't that nice? (laughs) Thank you so much for coming in again. It's been wonderful. Uh, we got another couple of minutes. We actually, I yeah, just going through the last couple other questions in here. Mo- most of you covered it. It's funny. I've been as you've been talking away. I've been checking off this nice, lovely list. Uh, we did have one comment in there. Uh, why? He, uh, uh, I don't have the name on it, unfortunately, on Twitter. But he's like, "This is a great show. I would gladly help out because this seems like the only minority that I can accidentally join." That I could actually accidentally lose an arm and need your service, so maybe I'll do some carbon. Carb well, now. there you go. That's so, right. we, we can help with that. We've yeah, got some yeah. big meat cleavers. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's, let's take it out first. But yeah, he says it's the only my, my, a minority that can accidentally join. Seems like so help out where you can in here. Um, but this has been amazing. You, I've been so happy to see this. Like in the, just in the handful of years from that TEDx talk on. It, I've it's crossed paths. I've seen lovely photos you holding, you know, hands for various you know publications and media and stuff. Right, but it's not um, just me. I mean, that's the interesting thing is yeah, yeah. that there are news reports from all over the world. One of the projects I would love some help on, as a matter of fact, is sort of using those thousands of news articles to try to get some retroactive statistics about where these devices are, where they're going, potentially reaching out to recipients to say, how are you doing? What would you have us do better? Do you need a replacement, et cetera? So there's all sorts of things along these lines. And it's, uh, it's, it's really exciting to be a part of a community. And I should add that the interesting moment right now is that Enable really seems to be thriving and growing without, I mean, there are founders like me and there are leaders like me and, and, and others but we are not running the show. We're helping to make it happen. <laughs> and somehow it's uh, writing its own script. That's awesome. <laughs> Who would have thought avoiding work so much back in the day, watching a YouTube video, he'd be doing so much amazing things. Um, this has been great. Uh, so, again, I want to get Giving Tuesday. Right? That's what it is? Or That's right, tu- which is to say tomorrow, November 27th, mm-hmm. from 8 a.m., until they run out of the $7 million they've pledged. <laughs> Your donations to Rochester Enable or to enable.org. Mm-hmm. And if you can't find it, you just send an email to jshall at e-enable.org <laughs> before midnight tomorrow. Perfect, perfect. I uh, I just got a, a, a paycheck coming in, so I'm going to be trying to donate wherever I can. And now you have a perfect direction for my money. So good job, man. All right. Oh, you guys, uh, we're coming up to the end of the show here. Um, I've just been having a blast listening to this. I, I've been moved. I, I've seen these videos of people and kids and even adults, like, uh, their lives changed by having these hands uh, put on there. And I, I should say, if you find your way to our Facebook page or one of these websites, you will see many of these videos of kids getting their hands, many videos of the hands, pictures of makers with that grin on their faces saying, look, I made this. It's really a very heartwarming <laughs> oh thing. So if anyone here actually makes a hand, donates a hand or something else to, to this, let us know, send some photos in. Uh, but uh, Matt, do we have anything uh, our closing statements for our, our coming in the show here? Uh, just the usual musical plugs. We've got Yacht Paradise Engineering off the album Shangri-La available on every format if you want it. Also uh, this is Manic Street Preachers Dreaming a City. As always, it's our closing theme. Also, do you think we can put a, a plug up for uh, Giving Tuesday on Facebook? Yes, gladly. Yes, we shall do. Excellent. For all, all my social media I can. I'll be 
putting all the links. So if you guys have any questions, uh, if you guys are listening to this out on Friday and you may have missed out on Tuesday, uh, do not worry. Donate money anyway because any money, <laughs> any money matters, as he was saying. Any there. money is good money. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I want to give a shout-out and thank you to everyone who's been listening in tonight. Uh, a lot of fun Twitter folks. Uh, Magnus Apollo on Twitter. Mind of Magnus at gmail.com. If you have any questions, you need information on uh, Enable, let me know. Message me out. Uh, I will gladly share as much as I can to make this happen. Uh, just do a, a search for Enable on there, and you'll find a lot of different videos. Uh, the TEDx Rochester talk we talked about. Uh, and uh, but John, thank you for being on the show. We had a my blast. pleasure. And uh, thank you. You've now changed my way. I'm going to possibly be laying and relaxing in these chairs. You have changed my way of doing. If radio. only we had television. Here. <laughs> oh, you don't want that. You, I have a face for radio. That's how it works. Oh, man, oh, man. Uh, you guys been listening to Hear the Mind of Magnus on 106.3 WRFC LP Rochester. Matt, thank you so much for being on here. And also, a uh, big th- thank you for the uh, podcast release. We had a simulcast last week of our show. So mm. you can download the podcast and listen to it live if you really wanted to. Hoping to do more of that coming in the future. So oh keep your eyes on your podcast feeds, everybody. Sounds good. So thanks again for being here, folks. If you have any questions, let me know. If you want to be on the show, you have a guest for a show, you have someone that's missing an arm and wants a hand, we now can help you out with this. Message me at Magnus Follow on Twitter, mindofmagazinegmail.com. Uh, and uh, thank you guys for listening so much. We'll catch you guys all next week.